everybody, and welcome back into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show about the Star Wars Legends line of books. I'm Aaron Motes. Today, it's the third and final book in the Darth Bane saga, Dynasty of Evil by Drew Karpishin. But first, an announcement. Last episode, I asked for you to send me your questions for a listener question show, but I got a little ahead of myself. I should have waited and put out more episodes so folks could get a sense of what the show is about and whether or not they enjoy the stuff I talk about. I still want to do a Q&A show to foster more of a conversation with people, so it's not just me talking into a microphone all by myself. So thank you to the people that sent in questions. Once I get a total of about seven or eight, then I'll record a listener question pop-up show. So please, if you'd like to get a question on the show or you want to contact me about the show, suggest a Legends book for me to review in the future, really anything, email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at legendslounge1. And it doesn't just have to be about Legends. You can ask me about Star Wars canon too or about myself. Now it's time for today's book discussion. Darth Bane, Dynasty of Evil, by Drew Karpishin. Let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Dynasty of Evil begins ten years after Rule of Two ended. Bane is now in his early 40s. His apprentice, Zana, is 30. They now live in an estate on the Outer Rim planet Sutric Four. Masquerading as wealthy brother and sister, running an import-export business. Bane has used the last decade furthering his great plan, setting up a network of spies, gathering information, influencing galactic politics, and accumulating wealth. But most importantly, he has been gathering Sith artifacts and holocrons, studying the dark spells of the ancient masters. Both have grown strong in the dark side of the Force, but Bane is starting to worry about his apprentice. The Sith Rule of Two states that there will be one master to embody the power of the dark side and one apprentice to crave it. The master will train the apprentice, knowing that eventually the two will clash. If the apprentice is worthy of the title Dark Lord of the Sith, they'll destroy the master. If not, the master will eliminate the apprentice and pick another. Bane has been training Zana for 20 years. He's watched her grow strong, but he's concerned. Why hasn't Zana confronted him yet? Is she waiting for Bane to grow old and feeble, or does she lack the ambition? Because if either's the case, then Zana wouldn't be worthy of being the Dark Lord of the Sith. But Bane can't be the one to initiate a confrontation. That would be against the rule of two. So Bane believes there's only one solution. He must find a way to prolong his life and find a new worthy apprentice. On the outer rim planet of Doan, the miners are in revolt, killing Prince Garen, the royal heir. His wife, Sarah, sends an assassin to kill the leader of the rebels, but there's collateral damage. The miners have recently dug up some dark side artifacts, and the Jedi have dispatched a knight named Med Tandar to investigate the find. When the assassin attacked the miners, she killed Tandar in the process. The King of Doan asks Sarah if she knows anything about the attack. She denies any knowledge, but she understands the situation. The king is concerned that the Jedi and the Republic Senate will hold him responsible for the death of the Jedi Knight. Sarah tells the king that she'll travel to Coruscant and speak to the Jedi 
to ensure them that the Donish nobility had nothing to do with the attack. While he's reluctant, the king agrees. Now, Bane has heard of one ancient Sith who discovered the secret to immortality, Darth Andendu. However, he can't search for Andendu's holocron without questions from Zana. But the situation on Doan proves to be an apt distraction. Bane can send Zana to investigate the Jedi's death on Doan while he looks for Andendu's homeworld. But Zana is smart. She understands there's something Bane isn't telling her. She also knows her master has become frustrated that Zana hasn't challenged him yet, believing she may not be worthy of taking control of the Sith. But Zana is patient and cunning. Not only has she spent the last 20 years learning from Bane, she's also studied and trained in secret, waiting for the time to confront her master. Zana agrees to investigate the situation on Doan, but vows this is her final mission as Bane's apprentice. On Coruscant, Sarah and her bodyguard Lucia meet with the Jedi Master Oba, an Athurian on the Jedi Council of First Knowledge. They maintain the Jedi archives and gather and curate ancient Force artifacts. Master Oba tells Sarah that it was the Council that sent Med Tandar to Doan to investigate the Dark Side talismans that the miners uncovered. Sarah tells Master Oba the royal family did not send the assassin that killed Tandar, and to her surprise, Oba tells her he knows. Oba says no normal assassin could have gotten the best of Tandar. It had to be a dark side force user. Sarah asks Master Oba if he means a Sith, but the Athorian says no. He believes the assassin was a dark Jedi named Set Harth. Harth is a former Jedi knight that left the Order because he wanted wealth and fame. Sarah asks if Master Oba is sure that the Sith are dead. He says one Sith did survive the Battle of Ruasan decades earlier, but he was killed ten years ago on the planet Ambria. Oba takes Sarah and her bodyguard to see a small monument in one of the Jedi Temple Gardens. It lists the names of those killed by the last Sith Lord, five Jedi and one other, a healer, Caleb of Ambria. Sarah stares at the name. She can't speak. Her knees go weak. Caleb of Ambria her father. When Sarah can finally speak again, she asks what the Sith Lord looked like. Master Oba says he was a small, pathetic man. Sarah knows that's wrong. She was there the first time the Sith Lord had come to Ambria. He was a huge and menacing man. After her father had healed the Sith, he had sent his daughter away, making her promise never to contact him again. Caleb knew the Sith would return sometime. Now Sarah knew her father had been right. But she also knew the Jedi were wrong. The Sith Lord had tricked them. He must still be alive. With their meeting over, Sarah and Lucia board their ship to return to Doan. But Sarah has a plan. She asks her bodyguard if she can get in touch with the assassin they used. Sarah has another target. Back on Doan, the Dark Jedi Set Hearth is also looking for the amulets the miners found. After a quick investigation, Harth finds where the rebel miners hold their meetings. Harth attacks the small meeting, killing the miners. He takes the dark amulets and returns home. Soon after Harth leaves, Zana arrives on the planet. She learns of the attack and discovers that Harth took the talisman to the planet now Hutta. Following his trail, Zana finds Harth's mansion. But the Dark Jedi isn't home, so Zana decides to search. She discovers that Harth has a collection of dark side texts and artifacts. 
Zana's intrigued. Could Hearth be the apprentice she's been looking for? She'll need one if she can kill Bane. As Zana considers the situation, Hearth returns. Confident he can handle this intruder, Hearth attacks Zana. His lightsaber's a blur. His attack's quick. He's a powerful force user. But he's no Sith. And he's no match for Zana. There's at least a dozen times where she could kill Hearth, but does not. Zana wants to test him, to see if he would be a worthy apprentice. Eventually, Zana disarms Hearth. She tells him to yield, but he refuses, spitting at her feet. So Zana reaches into Hearth's mind, twists his thoughts, and traps him in a prison of hopelessness and despair. Hearth's body seizes, and he goes catatonic. Zana carries him to his bed. If his mind is weak, he'll wither and die. But if Hearth's will is strong enough, he will eventually break through the cocoon and return to the living, proving himself worthy of being Zana's apprentice. While Zana continues her investigation, Bane travels to the deep core world of Prakith to look for Darth and deduce Holocron and the secret to immortality. Soon he finds a dark pyramid in the mountains, and deep inside the temple, he finds the ancient Sith Lord's sarcophagus. Bane finds Andadu's mummified corpse with a Sith holocron clutched in his hands. Smiling, Bane takes the holocron and leaves the temple. He needs to make it back to Sutric Four before Zana. On the flight home, Bane learns that the secret to immortality is essence transfer, the ability to transfer one's consciousness to another person. It's a dangerous and delicate procedure. Once he starts the ritual, his body will be destroyed and he must select the correct vessel, one that's strong-willed, but not too strong, or his essence will be cast into oblivion. Bane orders the holocron to show him the secrets to essence transfer, but the gatekeeper refuses, saying Bane is not ready. But the Dark Lord of the Sith will not be denied. Bane reaches into the holocron and rips out the information. Dazed and exhausted, Bane collapses into the pilot's chair and passes out. Sarah and Lucia meet with the assassin on Ambria at the remains of Caleb's camp. The assassin is an Iktachi who calls herself the Huntress. Iktachis are precognitive, getting flashes of the future through the Force. But the Huntress gets more than just flashes. She can see visions of people's futures and pasts. Sarah tells the Huntress about the Sith Lord who visited her father decades ago. She doesn't know the man's name or where he is, but she's heard the Huntress can use her abilities to track anyone. As she looks into the past, the Huntress sees the Sith Lord Caleb. She sees the Sith Lord threaten Sarah when she was a child. She sees when the big man returned years later with a blonde woman. The Huntress also sees Caleb's dead body. She can't see what happened to the Sith Lord or the blonde woman, but now that she knows what the man feels like, the Huntress can find him. Sarah doesn't want the man killed, though. She wants him captured. When the Huntress tells her this is impossible, Sarah shows the assassin a bottle from her father's hut. The bottle contains a powerful neurotoxin that paralyzes a person and clouds the mind. Inject it into the Sith Lord, and it'll render him unconscious. When Bane arrives at home on Sutric Four, he's surprised to find Zana hasn't returned yet, but it gives him time to plan his essence transfer. As he enters his mansion, Bane stops. Someone is here. Soldiers swarm Bane from all sides, firing stun weapons and tangle guns. But there's something else. 
Something is blocking Bane from fully opening to the Force. Something or someone. The Huntress watches Bane as her mercenaries attack, using her connection to the dark side to cloud Bane's thoughts. But the Sith Lord is powerful. Even without his full connection to the Force, he starts eliminating his attackers, electrocuting them with Force lightning and slicing through them with his lightsaber. But the sticky glue of the Tangle Guns starts to slow him down, giving the Huntress just the opening she needs. The Iktachi charges Bane, ducking under his guard and slicing his forearm with one of her knives, a blade coated with Sarah's neurotoxin. Bane explodes with rage, killing two more mercenaries, but soon he grows weak and passes out. Set Hearth awakes to find Zana sitting at the foot of his bed. She tells the Dark Jedi that she's a Sith and looking for an apprentice. Zana explains the rule of two to Hearth, telling him she's about to confront her master. If she wins, she'll assume the mantle Dark Lord of the Sith and teach Hearth powers he can only imagine. Intrigued by the offer and knowing he's no match for Zana, Hearth agrees. The two return to the mansion on Sutric 4 and find it in shambles. They search the scene and find a small button with a gold insignia of the Royal House of Doan. Zana also finds a reference to Darth Andadu, an ancient Sith Lord that Harth studied while he was still a part of the Jedi Order. Harth says Darth Andadu ruled the deep core world of Prakith. He tells Zana that Andadu is rumored to have found the secret of eternal life. Zana is stunned. Not only is Bane planning to eliminate her, it's a betrayal of everything the Rule of Two stands for. Zana tells Hart to prepare to head to Doan. She needs to find her master. It's time for Bane to die. Sarah can barely concentrate as she descends the steps into the stone prison beneath the king's palace on Doan. She's about to meet the dark man who killed her father, the man who haunts her dreams. Sarah, Lucia, and the Huntress enter Bane's cell to find the Dark Lord in chains, hanging from the wall unconscious, his arms and legs splayed open. Sarah holds a stimulant, she's prepared, one that will awaken Bane, but keep his mind clouded. As she injects the drug and Bane's head snaps up, Lucia gasps. It's Dez, her platoon sergeant from the Gloomwalkers 20 years ago. Impossible. Dez was a hero. He saved her life on Fasira. But Dez was dead, executed for striking their lieutenant and changing orders. Or so she thought. But there he is. She's looking into a face from her past. How could Dez have killed Sarah's father? How could he be a Sith Lord? Ignoring the look on her bodyguard's face, Sarah asks Bane why he killed her father. Bane denies killing Caleb, and Sarah injects him with a drug causing him to seize and convulse. Again, Bane denies killing Caleb, and when Sarah tries to eject him a second time, Lucia grabs her arm, telling Sarah to stop the torture. The Huntress tells Sarah that Bane might be telling the truth, reminding her that she also saw a blonde woman in her vision. Distraught, Sarah gives Bane another dose of the neurotoxin and flees. After Sarah and the Huntress leave the cell, Lucius stares at Dez. How could this man, who saved her life numerous times during the Jedi-Sith War, become a monster? It was incomprehensible, but it was true. Dez was a murderer. He deserved to be punished, but he was also her friend, and he didn't deserve to be tortured this way. Making sure no one was looking, Lucia grabs a dose of the stimulant and injects it into Dez's thigh. 
Zana and Harth arrive on Doan and land in one of the hidden bays on the cliff above the stone prison. Zana can sense her master. His presence is weak, but alive. Zana leaves Harth to guard the ship as she descends into the prison levels to find her master. Bane bursts out of his cell, surprising the four guards. He unleashes a blast of force energy, killing them, but not before one of the guards sounds the alarm. As his mind begins to clear, Bane reaches out with the force, searching for Caleb's daughter. He finds her presence a few floors above, but there's another, Zana. Why is she here? To free him or face him? Regardless, Bane knows he must avoid Zana until the toxins are completely out of his system. Hiding his presence in the force, Bane climbs the stairs, hunting for Sarah. Zana felt the surge in the force when Bane escaped from his cell. Now she follows her master's presence. The Dark Lord blazes like a fire in the force. Zana follows the force presence through the maze of corridors until she senses Bane around the corner. Now's the time. Zana turns the corner and discovers nothing. Zana stands confused, but only for a moment. Bane must know she's here. Zana reaches out with the force again, searching for her master. There, she finds his presence, muted, as he climbs the levels above her. She begins to climb, calling to Bane in the force. I'm coming, master, and only one of us will leave her alive. Sarah cannot believe what's happening. She should have killed the Sith Lord when she had the chance. Now he's escaped and hunting. Who knows how many people he'll destroy as he climbs the prison levels and she'll be the one responsible for all of it. Well, there's one last thing Sarah can do. She runs to the prison's control center. The stone prison was built with a failsafe in case of a catastrophe like this. The royal family had explosives built into the walls, allowing them to blow the prison, burying it in thousands of tons of rock. Sarah steps up to the center console and hits the self-destruct. She hears the explosions begin deep below. As Harth waits for Zana, he reaches out with the force to follow her and finds a dark feeling in one of the offices near the landing bay. Intrigued, Harth feels the power coming from a wall safe. He doesn't have a key, but he has the force. Harth calls on the dark side and rips the door to the safe off the wall. Inside, glowing a deep purple, is a holocron, pulsing with power. Grabbing the holocron, he finds a closer landing bay where four ships are parked two shuttles, a royal cruiser, and a small, sleek starship. Quickly, Harth heads toward the small ship. Now that he has the holocron, why does he need Zana? As he approaches the ship, a lightsaber flashes, and Harth ducks quickly, narrowly avoiding decapitation. He jumps back as an Iktakji steps into his path. The Huntress warns Harth away from her ship. The two move between the ships, trying to sneak attack each other. Suddenly, the sirens change. Harth stops. He feels vibrations in the floor and then hears the explosions deep below. Quickly, Harth forms an idea. He uses his lightsaber to disable the engines of the Royal Shuttle and one of the transport shuttles. It takes a moment for the Huntress to understand what's happening, but quickly she turns and runs toward her ship. She stops short, finding Harth standing by her ship's engines, lightsaber in hand. Harth offers a deal. They can keep fighting and die as the prison crumbles, or she can let him leave in the remaining shuttle and then leave in her own ship. Reluctantly, the Huntress agrees. Harth boards the shuttle and flies off, leaving the Huntress to stare in hatred. It's the first time 
her prey has escaped. Zana finds Bane climbing into the upper levels of the prison. Facing her master, she issues the challenge. Bane's time as the Dark Lord of the Sith is over. But she knows Bane is dangerous, even without his lightsaber. He's quick, agile, and incredibly strong. As she contemplates her attack, her master unleashes a blast of force lightning. Zana deflects it with her lightsaber, but the force behind it staggers her. The two continue their back and forth through the stone corridors, Zana jabbing and slashing with her saber, Bane firing short blasts of force lightning while retreating. But they both feel the underground explosions getting closer. Growing desperate, Zana charges Bane, wanting to end the confrontation. But as she closes the distance, a blast rocks the corridor, caving in the ceiling and separating the two. Cursing her missed opportunity, Zana turns to retrace her steps back to her ship. Bane staggers forward, knowing he was lucky to survive the confrontation with Zana. Now, he has to get out of the stone prison. He turns a corner and finds a landing bay with two disabled shuttles and the Iktakchi standing in front of the third ship. The assassin kneels and offers Bane his lightsaber, saying she's seen this moment in her dreams. She asks Bane to teach her, to take her as an apprentice. Bane asks why he should, and the huntress tells him that she can take Bane to Caleb's daughter. Bane agrees, and the two leave in the huntress's ship. Zana returns to her ship and finds Hearth gone. She's disappointed but not surprised. She knew Hearth wasn't a worthy apprentice, but she can't worry about what happened to Hearth right now. She's let Bane escape, and she knows he'll soon be hunting her. Bane and the Huntress land on Ambria to find Sarah's shuttle. The Huntress knew Sarah would return to her father's camp. The place haunted Sarah. As Bane approaches the camp, Sarah steps out of her father's shack, staring him down. Bane tells Sarah that Caleb's death was pointless. He was a healer who helped Bane twice. Bane says he would have left Caleb alive in case he needed Caleb's skills a third time. Sarah scoffs at the Dark Lord, saying Caleb would never have helped Bane unless he was forced to, and she won't use what she's learned from her father to help Bane either. Sensing the sincerity in her words, Bane orders the Huntress to kill Sarah. Afterward, Bane asks his new apprentice if she's ready to give herself fully to learning the dark side. She agrees, and Bane orders the Huntress to take a new name. Cognus, she says. Bane tells Cognus only one thing remains before she can become his apprentice, a final showdown with Zana. Bane returns to the starship and issues a coded signal on Zana's personal frequency to come to Ambria. When Zana arrives on planet, she finds her master and another. Bane tells Zana the Iktakshi has pledged herself to learning the ways of the Sith. Darth Cognus will either be Bane's apprentice or Zana's. She's here to witness their confrontation and vows not to interfere. Zana tells Bane his time is over. It's time for a new Dark Lord of the Sith to rise. Bane ignites his lightsaber. The battle begins. Bane attacks with fury, overpowering Zana. Her lightsaber blocks the attacks, barely deflecting the blows. She retreats and then attacks, casting a spell. Zana invades her master's mind. Bane always knew Zana would use Sith sorcery against him, but that doesn't prepare him for the pain that shoots through his brain. Lightsaber flailing, Bane falls to the ground screaming. Zana almost believes she's won, but quickly 
her master regains his footing and explodes in a wave of dark side energy, sending Zana reeling. But she has one more spell to cast. As Bane advances, tendrils of smoke begin to move through the black Ambrian sand. Bane watches as the dark mist moves forward. He can feel the tendrils, formed by pure dark side energy. Bane knows he can't survive a direct attack from the tendrils. He must kill Zana now. Summoning all his power, Bane charges, swinging violently at his apprentice. Zana deflects the blows, but the concentration it takes to control the dark tendrils is draining, and Zana is tiring quickly. Zana blocks another strike, but Bane turns and sweeps her legs. As Zana falls, Bane knocks her lightsaber away. As the Dark Lord brings his lightsaber down for the fatal blow, one of the tendrils grabs his elbow, dissolving his arm immediately. He falls to the ground, grabbing at Zana's hand. With his final breath, Bane sends his essence into his apprentice, consuming his body in crimson light. Bane assaults Zana's consciousness, but she fights back. Zana rejects her master's thoughts, trying to drive her out of her mind, even as Bane relentlessly tries to force himself in. Zana screams and collapses. Suddenly, the battle is over. Darth Cognus watches as Bane's body disappears into ash. The blonde woman screams, then lies still. Slowly, Cognus approaches her body. As she reaches her side, the blonde woman stirs and sits up. Nervously, Cognus asks, Lord Bane? The blonde woman rises. Bane is gone, she says. I am Darth Zana, the Dark Lord of the Sith, and your new master. Let's take a quick break. When we return, I'll talk about the parts of Dynasty of Evil that I really liked and the parts that didn't quite work for me. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Hey, everybody. Let me take a moment to recommend a book from Star Wars canon, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. The story follows a 16-year-old Leia as she studies to become the heir to her mother, Queen Breha. Join the future rebellion leader as she faces challenges to her mind, her body, and her spirit. But Leia has worries that go beyond the throne. Her parents are acting strangely. They seem to be more concerned with throwing dinner parties than with their daughter's royal training. What are they up to? And why are they being so secretive? Discover it all in Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes, talking about Darth Bane, Dynasty of Evil by Drew Karpishin. Let's take a look at some of the really cool parts of the book. First off, I love the mind games that Bane and Zana play with each other throughout the book. This cat and mouse game between the two of them. When is Zana going to try to overthrow her master? When is Bane going to try to oust his apprentice and take another? You know, it's those type of stories that, as I get older, really intrigue me. Sort of like Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, where both are smart, 
both are devious, both know that one mistake and the other not only will win, but will kill them. So I love the parts of the book where Bane is questioning the answers that Zana gives him or how willing Zana is, particularly at the beginning, to go and investigate the Jedi's death on Done. She doesn't even ask why. She just assumes that her master has some sort of reason for wanting to know about what's going on on this really nothing Outer Rim planet and just willingly takes the assignment. And then you see the scene from the other point of view, from Darth Zana's point of view. And in her head, she's wondering what Bane has gotten into over the last few years. She knows that Bane has become somewhat frustrated that Zana has yet to challenge him. And while she does use some of that frustration to her advantage, she knows that she can only stall for so long. But in order to finally challenge Bane and assume the mantle of Dark Lord of the Sith, Zana knows that she needs to have a suitable apprentice in order to fulfill the rule of two. So I like the way she questions Bane's motives. I like the way she questions whether or not this dark Jedi set hearth she's found is worthy of being apprentice. It doesn't seem like it even at the beginning. And Zana frankly says that in her own mind, that this person doesn't understand the magnitude of what she's offering him. This person has no ambition. That's Hearth's main flaw. He has no ambition. He is perfectly content using the Force to get the things that he wants. He wants a good time. He gets a good time. He wants money. He gets money. He wants women. He gets women. Zana understands this. Zana knows that he's not an ideal candidate to be an apprentice. But let's face it, she's growing impatient. She knows that this confrontation has to happen soon. That's the part of the book that I absolutely love. I love the mind games. I love the look inside of each of their heads. And I'm not going to lie, I'm rooting for Zana. As I've read the trilogy, as I've read this book for the second time, I have grown to like the character of Darth Zana more than I like the character of Darth Bane. But regardless of the outcome, I just like the psychological warfare that is going on between the two of them. Now, if I had one little nit to pick about this book specifically, and to some extent the previous book, Rule of Two, it's that the Star Wars universe is vast. They go to several different planets, even in this saga. But over those 20 years and then especially in this book, Dynasty of Evil, the coincidence of having the same characters show up and move the plot along just irks me a little bit. I mean, you start with Bane back in Path of Destruction, and he breaks free from his life as a miner to become a soldier. 
And in the Gloomwalkers, one of his troops is Lucia. Flash forward to the end of the book. You know, it's a year and a half later, and he needs medical care. And the medical care comes from a healer named Caleb who lives on Ambria. Caleb has a daughter. We don't know the daughter's name at that time. And it doesn't really matter because Caleb makes his daughter change her name when she leaves. But now two books later, 20 years later, it turns out that that daughter, Sarah, just happens to be the widow of the Prince of Doan. And she's the one that hires the assassin to capture Bane. And who is Sarah's bodyguard but Lucia, the private from Bane's platoon back in the Gloomwalkers during the Jedi-Sith War 20 years ago. So that's just one little thing that irks me. I Sometimes I don't like that many coincidences. It makes the galaxy feel smaller than what it is in my mind. Though I think you could argue with the Star Wars saga when you look at the films, not so much with the television shows like The Clone Wars or Rebels or The Mandalorian, but with the movies, I think you could argue that sometimes the galaxy feels kind of small in there too. It's the same characters that push the plot along. But regardless, I still think this was my favorite book of the Bane trilogy, mainly because of the psychological warfare going on between Bane and Zana. I like the way Carpishan writes. I like the fact that his writing moves pretty quickly. Even though these books are legends, I like the fact that you can basically take these books right now, make them canon, and it doesn't change anything with the actual Star Wars canon right now. I mean, anything that takes place over a thousand years ago doesn't really affect the canon today. Plus, we already know Bane is canon. So just showing his backstory and forming the rule of two doesn't change anything about what happened in any of Star Wars since the Disney acquisition. One last thing I'd like to say about the Darth Bane trilogy as a whole is if you are a person, or I guess I shouldn't say if you are a person, because if you're listening to this podcast, you probably enjoy the Legends line of books anyway, but If you know a person who is interested in Star Wars more than the films and television shows, and they're looking for a way to get into Star Wars books, even though this trilogy is Legends, I think it's a good entry point to reading Star Wars books, especially if they want to get into stories and characters that they don't know yet. I don't think it's that difficult to understand what part of Star Wars is canon and what part isn't. These are just stories. And I think most of these stories are fun. So, there you have it. Dynasty of Evil by Drew Carpishan, the third and final book in the Darth Bane trilogy. Join me again in two weeks when I'll be going over a book that uh, this is my first time actually reading it. I know there are roughly 176 Legends books I have already read about 155 of them, 
There's only about 21, maybe 22 that I haven't read, and this is one of them. And it might be one that surprises you because it's one of those books that a lot of people talk about as one of their favorites. It's Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. So join me again in two weeks. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com. Or you can chat me up on Twitter at legendslounge1. I'm Aaron Motes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.